Warning, this podcast may contain graphic and triggering content. Please listen at your own risk. Each individual struggle is different and everyone's recovery and healing journey is different. Please reach out to a certified medical professional if you need help. Welcome to episode 28 of Stomp the Stigma, the podcast aimed to fight the stigma surrounding mental health through education, awareness, experiences, stories, resources, and the vulnerable truth. Joining me to Stomp the Stigma today is John from Wired Differently. This is the first episode of a three-part series because we had so much to talk about and I think you guys will love these episodes. In this first episode, we dig into some of the cultural differences he experienced between Quebec and Calgary, his diagnosis with adaptive disorder, PTSD, major depressive disorder, and then PTSD with dissociation. John briefly explains all of his experiences and what happens to him when he is triggered, as well as the stigma that comes along with being in the military, being a police officer, or just a first responder. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode as John explains everything in his own words, and then we get more into questions and even deeper into his story in the next couple episodes. So stay tuned next week and the week after, but enjoy this very first episode. I hope you guys will love it. Yeah, I really want to, I just want to start by thanking you for coming on and sharing your story and your struggles. I know sometimes it can be really hard to talk about, but I'm excited for this conversation because this is the first time on the podcast that we're going to be talking about like PTSD and that sort of thing. Um, So thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I want to start with your story. So you are ex-military and a former um, CPS officer as well, right? That's correct. Yes, yes. Uh, So uh, do you want to hear the story about where I'm coming from or you want to hear actually my service time? Because I I can do the both, right? But uh, I think there's a reason why I joined the military. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm coming from a family who are... um, And it's funny saying that in Alberta because... I mean, there's always that confusion between Quebec and Alberta, but yeah. I'm from a separatist family, actually very educated people, two psychologists, where, where, uh, <clears throat> where helping people was, was the first thing to do. And uh, with the time, uh, I moved to, actually, I came to Calgary to learn English at 18 years old because I didn't speak English at all. Um, I was not allowed in the bars back then, so it was kind of, uh, it was not a shock, right? And not allowed because I was too young. I was not allowed because I was from Quebec. Um, my driver license was still with that fleur de lis, right? So I was not, I, I was, I was uh, showed the way out quite fast. Um, so the the hate was still very present, and that, that kind of hate, anyways, is seen in in both ways. Uh, not so much anymore, but I guess uh, 15, 15, 18 years ago, it was still present. Um, so come back to Quebec. Uh, I moved then to Brazil. I studied in communication overseas, uh, and when I came back to uh to canada all my friends were in university so i tried to get my university credited from brazil to here uh, which was not um, and i did not want to go back again to school to do the same class because it's most likely it's a bit different by all means but it's most likely the same uh and then being credited and then like um, the money aspect was not necessarily an issue because it's, it's quebec university are like 1600 dollars a year but it, it still remained that it was money at that time uh, so one day I just showed up at a recruiting center and I asked to join as an infantry. And, and the funny part is at that point, so at that point I'm speaking French, Spanish, Portuguese. Uh, he, he denied me to go as an infantry and he lead me to going in communication for translation. My family was kind of against the military, plus it was Canada, right? So uh, not the same country, if you wish. So I did not tell them right away. Uh, Roughly six weeks later, I'm signing up. I'm getting told I'm going on boot camp. And that's when I kind of told them the, the, the news, like your son is leaving to become a soldier. So my father drove me up to uh, Saint-Jean, uh, which is where the, the boot camp uh, base, Garrison, is. Uh, dropped me off there. And that was kind of the start of my service, right? So I did uh, three months there. And after graduating, I got posted into Ontario. I got roughly posted 12 times my my 11 years career, uh, and, and, uh, and I was deployed as well in Iraq. 
uh, with the time coming, I, I learned English as quite, quite fast. So roughly at 19 years old, I started to speak English. Uh, I, I was posted only in English basis. Uh, so it opened my eyes. Uh, I realized that English people were not that bad like I was taught, right? Uh, and as stupid as it sounds, I think we had pious teacher as well as kids. And as a kid, you're, you're a sponge, right? So you just take everything. And if you're getting told, well, the English culture, like, uh, hurt Quebec and whatnot, like you believe it. Now, when you realize by your own that the, it's kind of brainwash we got, it's kind of a bit sad, but, uh, so times, times carried on. Uh, I was posted into communication bases. I was posted into logistics bases. Uh, and finally I got my first posting, I think in 2010, in Ottawa. So I started to work for the Admiral of the Navy. Uh, after a year and a half, I was told that I was too hyper to stay there and I should find a place that would be better. And uh, the major, the commander of the, uh, the commander who put me in his office and told me, do you know like this symbol? And there's like a plaque on his wall. And I'm like, I have no clue what the hell that is. And uh, he's like, it's like, this is special force and this is where I'm going to make you apply so i applied i did all the hoops and loops and uh, and i was finally selected so my life kind of turned around at that point because i was uh, instructed that uh, there's a top three priority was uh, the mission the unit and the guys so in a top three your family is not there so this is when i started to realize what uh, selfless personality or person works in that kind of field because you do not matter anymore. And it is not wrong because you need to make a sacrifice for the rest of Canada to be safe, right? Uh, and I, I'm convinced 100% that a lot of uh, public servants do the same. Our public servant is obviously military, but we're talking about uh, CSEC. Uh, we're talking about uh, first responder and so on. So that said, uh, I, life turns and learn life turns in a good way and, and it ramped up as well from running uh, at, let's say 10 kilometers to going on 200 kilometers an hour uh, because the pace of living was very high. Um, we did not have necessarily a schedule. It was not a job that was eight to four. It was eight to until you're done. Um, so at that point, my sleep kind of just started to go down from eight hours to a four. And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm Superman. I can just function without sleeping, right? So did not know really what happened. I mean, we were involved into that shooting that happened in Ottawa. We were involved in uh, various things. And like I said, like uh, Iraq came up because ISIS was doing some awful things. So 2015, while we're prepping my wedding, I'm being deployed. So I'm in Iraq. Uh, we are in plain clothes constantly. We're traveling uh, within the city. Uh, where we are and we're packing we're either person the rent person person sorry we get the food during the day or if we have to get an engine for the car that's what we're wearing or parts for the car uh it, 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 we're fully aware that there's a possible danger in town but it's part of the job so we kind of embrace it upon my return my wife had organized the wedding so we finally get married eventually uh and and uh, uh that was kind of uh again the, the eye-opener because my parents, as of now, still don't speak English. So we're in a wedding in Jamaica where the wedding is fully English and I'm the person with the second mic who's translating everything because beside those two persons, everyone speaks English. Uh, so there's still that kind of weird um, experience that goes through. Uh, so open that return. Obviously, I, I still want to help people, but I want to work to my, for my community directly. And that means is is probably become a police officer or first responder. I don't think that I'm, I think I, I've seen what I had to see in the military and gain what I had to gain. Um, I don't really know what the police is. I don't really know what first responder is. And first and foremost, I don't know anymore what civil, uh, being a civilian is, right? If, uh, if you don't follow the rules, the law, you're in deep trouble. And by rules is, is not being late. By rules is actually proper haircut. Nice, nice shaving. Uh, you know, boots are has to be shiny. Respect is a big thing, right? So, all of those little things is what I've been living in for the past eleven years. Um, so, jumping into a civilian life, I, I'm thinking I'm super tough because I, I was I was in the military, I was in the army, uh, I, I was deployed. So, the civilian life will be easy. So, I applied for the police. I applied for RCMP. Roughly six months later, so no, I still have no news of what's going on with my application. Uh, one of my friends is in Calgary police and he's like, he's like, you should apply. 
they're, they're, they're taking the French. <laughs> they're taking the French and the military guys. They, they like them. So I'm like, fair, for sure. So I applied and two months later, I'm in Calgary. I'm doing all my testing and I'm being told that I'm, I'm accepted. So I got the job. Um, so I, I put my release in the military and now it works. It takes roughly six months for an approval and they're allowed to say no because I had signed a contract of 25 years. Um, and if they say no, that means I'm stuck in the military, right? Because I kind of gave up that right of having the choice, right? And this is what the, the regular forces in the military is about. It, it's a sacrifice. And sacrifice is not necessarily sacrificing your own life, but it's sacrificing that freedom of saying, I do what I want when I want. Um, so there I am. Uh, I'm accepted into Calgary Police. I'm uh, waiting that six months to carry on uh, to then move. So I moved to Calgary roughly September 2016. Uh, my wife stayed back in Ottawa mean, meanwhile uh, for the first seven months because I had to do my course of, to become a police officer. And right off the bat, I can tell that I have some issues to adapt. Like what's going on with my brain? Uh, apparently, I'm, I'm kind of rude uh, or blunt and people don't like it um, because I, I've been used to the military where, and I think it's a cultural aspect too, right? French people are very blunt, tell what they think, um, and English are, are more, I guess I would say, respectful in that way, right? They, they care a bit more about how you're going to feel about what I'm going to say. Uh, so I, I've been pulled off uh, aside a few times saying, you cannot say that. This is, this is just too blunt for people. They're not ready for this. Meanwhile, I've been, I've been used to this, right? Like if, if you're a moron, you're a moron and that's okay, right? We're going to work together. I just don't have to like you, but we have to work together to, to accomplish what we have to do. Now, what I realized quite fast in the civilian world is if you say that to a person, they're going to, they're going to have resentment and they might, they will not show up, right? They will not help necessarily, which is kind of bad because we're on the same team. I don't have to like you, but we have to work to work together, right? Same with a hockey team, same with a football team. They don't, I'm sure they don't like anyone, everyone, but they need each other to accomplish that goal, that, 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 that game. So all that to say, uh, so the switch become a bit different. I realized that, uh, uh, you know, with the military, when you get posted to another city, base we're all in the same thing so you you find friends like work is is work but it's also social so in this lot you, you get friends you get a form of a family in a civilian world i find it was different because i get here and people are from uh, calgary right and it, it was not necessarily easy they already have their friends they don't not they don't need necessarily one more and that's the truth right like if you have a lot of friends why would you add up more no you don't have that need so so the social aspect is a bit harder um but you know what, I'm here to accomplish that job, to get my family rolling, to start a new life. Um, so carry on, I pass my course, I get posted into uh, one of the district in Calgary. And, and obviously it's, uh, it's something new. I, I, like, you cannot necessarily be prepared to uh, arrest people. It's, it's not something you're not, you're not necessarily prepared. Although I, I heard probably every insult possible, because that's part of the culture in the military. Um, but a person that I have no clue calling me a whatever fucking pig or a fucking white man. And that's another thing, right? Because French people, French culture, do not have necessarily issues with native because we fought along together against the English people, right? So back home, you don't have that animosity. Uh, so it was another eye-opener because I had no clue about all those... those uh, history that they have here and that hate and whatnot and don't go to a reserve it can be dangerous i don't know i went to the reserve all the time when i was back home right there is the reserve right off of montreal island um so it, it's a very different uh different way of living so it, it, it's interesting and i'm adapting to it because i always loved uh, adapting and 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 learning about something new uh so my wife gets here uh it's the first move for her and it's a big change um she had never moved out of ottawa uh, now we're 4,000 kilometers away. She doesn't know anyone. She doesn't have any job anymore. So our salary kind of got a, a kick in a ding. Uh, so we're adapting on this as well. And, uh, and at the beginning, it's okay. Uh, I, I mean, I, I want to be the best as I can. And, uh, and obviously, I have to learn to write reports, which I can write English, no problem. But writing a report is a bit different. Uh, you cannot write with feelings. It has to be only a proof and, and, and things like this. So adapting to all of this, I think uh, my mind is lingering and is a bit tired and I'm trying to work as much as I can to 
you know, compensate on that $70,000 we're missing. And, and it's okay. So I, I, I'm meet, I, meeting up with new veterans. I'm meeting up, uh, not new veterans, but veterans uh, and, and friends, and I'm making connection. Still have issues. I cannot open up as, as, uh, as I can or as I used to. Uh, what I also discovered is I'm that black sheep who get a lot of mental health case when I work as a police officer. And I enjoy them, not because they're funny, but because they need help, right? Um, and, and I'm not a guy who likes to go into those fights. First, I'm not a humongous guy. Uh, you, you don't, uh, helping people isn't necessarily punching them in the face and getting in cough on, right? So if I can help someone who wants to suicide, uh, or commit suicide, if I can listen to them and actually change their mind, golden, I'm happy, right? Like I actually help someone. Um, so those are the calls I kind of end up having, and a lot of suicide calls as well, and a lot of dead body, and it, it's um, those are traumas, and I call that death by paper cuts because it's not one massive trauma that I had, but it's 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 a, a total uh, a number of trauma that 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 happened to me that got me where I'm at. Um, so time goes on, uh, I realize that the police culture is a bit different than I taught as well, right? Where I taught, uh, I've been used to a brother or sisterhood community uh, to the police world where they have negative example. And if I, can, if I can explain that quickly, a negative example is if someone in your group done something wrong, uh, the supervisor will somewhat destroy the self-esteem of the person, destroy the career of the person to then get a promotion. And that's an, That's well-known, RCMP does the same, multiple service and policing does that, and this is why they call it, they, they say, you hear often that the policing world is a backstabbing world, to the point that at the end of, uh, when I was serving with Calgary Police, I realized that uh, it was quite toxic. I loved helping people, but I couldn't trust my own peers. But that's just one of the things that was starting to be hard. So uh, roughly my wife, a year after she moved here, nine months after she gave birth to our lovely son, um, we traveled to Florida when he was two months old. So roughly in February, 2018. And that was kind of my first wall, let's put it that way. I'm in the middle of a bay. We're chasing a uh, dolphin. It cannot be nicer than this. It's beautiful outside, plus 35. I know it's super warm for you guys. It's normal for us who lives out east where it's super humid. Uh, I love it. And dolphins who are pushing our kayaks. My wife who's trying to get one, who's jumping over us. I mean, it's perfect. There's nothing else I can explain that it was better. And and I just cannot go forward. I cannot push and kayak back home. So my wife come because I'm starting to drift up on into the weeds. And she's asking me what's going on. And I'm panicking. And I don't know if we can call that a panic attack, but I'm freaking out because... I do not know what's going on. So my wife dragged me back to the condo, thank God to her big arms, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I got into my little room and I'm calling Veterans Affair because I do not want, um, I do not want my, my own job to know that something is off. Um, so Veterans Affair um, tagged me to a social worker. They cover the costs. Uh, so open my return into Canada, I have right off an appointment. Um, the lady at first tells me after six uh, six uh, session that it's most likely adaptive disorder, uh, which a lot and a lot of veterans goes through because we're not used to that type of living, and that's 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 okay. So in my mind, I'm fine. I'm gonna be okay. The next year, I've been out now for two years, so it, it takes a little bit of time. So it was a shock that I have a disorder, and I really don't like the word disorder, but. I carry on with it. So roughly seven months goes by. I did not ask for more help. Uh, I'm sitting into a cybercrime unit. And part of my job in the military at one point was communication with computers. So hacking, finding uh, things we're not supposed to uh, find and, and things like this. So I have enough background to work there. And, and what I hear quite fast is whatever I did in the military does not, is not recognized. So you're telling me, therefore, that after 11 years of service, we don't give a flying F about what I've done. And obviously, I'm not the only one in that position. There's, we have 600,000 veterans in Canada. Because my training doesn't have a university certificate, paper, diploma, whatever you want to call it today, it's not recognized. Now, 
it's a shock because I just I just sacrificed eleven years of my life for this, and and uh, I'm fully aware that Canada is not necessarily fully patriotic, right? I'm not. I'm more I'm better treated as a military or veteran in the U.S. than I am in my own country. So there's there's a lot lingering in my mind. Again, obviously, there's like I said, the adaptation of people, of living, of having so many choice, right? Because the military is a is like a map. You know where you're going on the morning, on the afternoon. Everything is planned to the minute. It is like I said, black and white. This is the land, the line in the sand. You cross it, you're screwed. Uh, versus uh, the life in the city. And I, I mean, you know what? Like I have to lift my hat and give my hat away. To all of you who, who actually have no problem living in this, because I still have issue to it, uh, and it probably sounds silly, but I mean, I don't know. I have issue. Let's put it that way. I have issue. So at that time, in my mind, my head is kind of off. Uh, I'm I'm finally getting help from, um, and I mean, getting help from the Calgary Police Service, uh, Psych Services. Uh, where I sit with a lady who used to work at the OSI clinic. So OSI clinic stands for Operational Stress Injury, which is a word that has been created in the 2000 by a colonel in the military instead of PTSD. Um, because PTSD get, is getting more and more and more used. Uh, and OSI is just for first responder and military members because you don't go operational usually as a civilian. You should not. Uh, so, um, which 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 is good. So, OSI Clinic uh, is, uh, I guess, professional um, uh, into that matter. So she explained and she understands. She's not surprised if I tell her what I've seen, which I've seen before with other psychologists. Right when when I see the horrors that I've seen in the military, and they're like, that should not happen. Well, this is the reality of the world. Um, so she helps me a lot, and again. There's a psychiatrist who's there uh, who doesn't say that I have any illness beside adaptive disorder, which I learned later on that was a wrong diagnosis. Time goes by. I see her weekly. It does help, but I don't know why. Every time I drive in Calgary, I'm extremely stressed, anxious. I feel I'm going to get attacked. And the reason being behind that is because I got into bad fights, right? I've been... I had an interaction with someone who actually stole my taser and tased me and he was aiming for my neck. Uh, so funny enough, he was wearing a diaper. Uh, I mean, it's always those situations you don't expect that uh, turns to be the worst. Um, and, and like I said, I work for a service that I'm at the point where I don't really trust. Roughly six months later after I started to do this, uh, which was the last call that I remember really, um, because at that time, now I'm sleeping two hours per night. So, uh, and, and I still function in my head. I'm still Superman. Hell, I can, can do it all, right? I can be a dad and a husband and, and, and sleep two hours a night. And, but what I don't realize is I pushed my family away. Uh, I worked over 350 hours of overtime over the summer. Um, my wife, our relationship, I could call it roommate and not by her choice. It's me who was pushing her away, not consciously, but this is what it is. My French went to the garbage to the point that at that time, my parents calling me, I could barely speak to them. Uh, my memory is decreasing. My patience is decreasing. I'm putting myself in arm's way. Um, and I, I'll explain to you right, right away. The last call that I remember, it's, it's a suicide call. I'm about to be done. There's roughly 40 minutes, 45 minutes left to my chef. So I'm heading home to my district. Uh, to do the last, the rest of my admin uh, that I have to do. So it's either tickets or rep reports or whatnot. So active, uh, active man trying to kill himself at that point. There's a knife and so on. So I drive like a moron, lights on and so on, sirens on. I even park on his grass. And a firefighter is holding back a bit because we need to, as a police officer, to uh, make the scene safe and secure. So I run in, his uh, fiance is on the first floor. She's telling me roughly where the room is. Uh, and I discover a man who cut his two wrists. Uh, and there's roughly uh, three, three liters of blood uh, soaked into the mat, in the, in the mattress. So the first thing I do is I hold his two wrists because that's the only thing I know, right? Like it is first, first, uh, first aid, if you wish. Hold his wrist. He comes back to himself. And I'm like, buddy, we're here, we're here to help you. Um, I cannot call at that point my uh, 
the firefighter to come in because my two hands are stuck on his wrist. And, and finally, I think they, they get in, they catch on. <laughs> I'm busy. So they come in, they take over, and they start uh, working on him. Uh, so first thing I do is actually look at where is the knife. So I took the knife away. Um, if there's any other firearms or weapons that I have to find. So I go into his closet. I just walk in, and, and I find a uniform. So he's a correctional officer. So that hit home because well, it's part of the first responder, right? So it is... And it's not that a suicide of a civilian will not hurt me, but it hurts me because it's a uniform. So, okay, so he's one of us, right? That's the first thing that comes to my mind. So I call my supervisor, made him uh, aware of it. As I move his uniform, I can see that he has ribbons. Ribbons are the small piece of cloth that we have uh, the signification of the medal we get with it. So I know those medals. Those are, are Bosnia. Uh, so he's been deployed in the 2000 or and 1990s. So now he's not only one of us, he's, he's a brother. He's a, he's, a, he's a guy that I serve with. So I've been asked to actually drive with uh, the uh, EMS paramedics to the hospital in case he wakes up, become violent and so on. We drop him off. There's a ton of people who are expecting him because he lost so much blood that they want to keep him alive. Uh, he did not only uh, cut his two wrists, but his inner ties as well. So he, he, he's, he's, uh, he's dedicated to it, right? Um, and people who wants to kill themselves will not mention it to anyone there. They're going to do it, right? So drop him there. I did my part. And I'll tell you honestly, I don't remember as of today. I don't know as of today if he's still alive. Because we don't have that closure as first responder. We don't know that. We just, we played a taxi to the hospital. Uber driver, if you wish. Five star, please. So a month later, date for date, uh, I'm sitting in Calgary downtown in my little black and white cruiser. and for some odd reason, it's, I cry. And I don't know why. I have not cried in years if there's anything. So again, once, once, once again, like panic, right? I, I don't know. I don't have control over my feelings, over who I am. Uh, I call my supervisor and he tell, I tell him, like, I need to meet you. Uh, I'm trying to call my social worker because I need help. This is how I feel. I actually need help. Uh, and I try to call her and I, I break down. Again, I cannot speak. So I'm like, I'm going to send you an email. So as I'm driving, I know it's not legal. I'm texting my, uh, my, my social worker and telling her, listen, I need to meet you. There's something off with me right now. Get into the office of my supervisor, my sergeant, and he tells me that I can't take the rest of the day off uh, and come back the next day. That it should be fine, right? Because, because you don't expect uh, necessarily having, uh, it must be a bad day. Uh, I must be able to work it out, right? That's that's all the stigma that comes with, with mental health. Um, truly, I don't think you can do that in one day, but hey, that's that's possible. We all expect, we all hope for the least, right? Not the worst. Um, so the next day, I get up at three o'clock in the morning and I, I can't function again. So I message him, I'm going to take the day off. Uh, again, he's like, okay, well, we'll see you tomorrow for the night, night shift. And again, I did not show up. Truthfully, I, I did not go back to work since. A week and a half after that, I'm meeting with my family doctor, who's a, who's a veteran from uh, UK, uh, and, uh, and he clearly tells me, he's like, you, you have depression and, and you have PTSD. Uh, I was lucky enough that my wife came because the only thing I could do is show up and break down. So she had to explain to him everything that's been happening, um, and, and he concurred. So that was my first diagnosis. Now, the problem comes with this is I need a diagnosis that will be recognized by the entrance. Now, when you have the service of Calgary who's pushing to say that it's veteran-only base traumas, uh, and I had issue because the veteran side said it was police-only base. Uh, so there was a little fight there. So I had to go through the hoops, and I had probably six different diagnoses. Now, the most recent one, I don't have adaptive disorder, clearly. I have depression, major depression disorder, and I have PTSD with dissociation. The dissociation was discovered later on because I never thought that it was part of it. Um, I thought I was actually overly, and that's, I guess, it's, it's being overly selfish and proud and whatnot. But I would watch TV and I would not know which language it is. So what they discovered is that I would, I would just lose track of time. So time would be taken away from me. One day, uh, my son is uh, under my supervision. My wife has gone working and... Uh, and he's playing with those gates, those gates that uh, stop him from going upstairs. So he's shaking it. He's probably a year old, two years. He's walking. And the gate fall on him. 
and he's screaming. And I'm probably a meter away from him, sitting on the couch, not moving. And I can tell you that I lost track uh, of what happened. I cannot recall what happened because I woke up from that dissociation when he was screaming with the gate on top of him. That's when we realized that we can, I cannot be with my son alone when I'm triggered because my brain to protect itself shut down. That's, that's, that's it. It just shut down. It doesn't want to talk to anyone. It does not exist. So that said, um, <laughs> we schedule our things. Uh, at that point, I'm trying as well new medication, uh, which I can tell you that up to now, I'm at 13 different type of medication uh, tried. Um, so from sleeping medication to antidepressant to antipsychosis, uh, name it, like I, I've tried them. And, and funny enough, uh, I stopped uh, cold turkey uh, to use them because it was doing more negative effect than positive. Um, they put me into a treatment where uh, I would have a magnetic, magnetic uh, shock to my brain uh, daily, like five times a week for 18 minutes to wake up those neurons and so on. Um, at first it worked and six weeks later it started to not work and then and it started to do nothing. Meanwhile, I'm driving to Calgary every day, which creates uh, many triggers, many stress, uh, anxiety. And, and how I manage that is, you know, I've been used to the fight, not flight, right? So the military taught me to, to go towards that war. The police taught me to go towards, you know, crisis. But now the only thing that my brain does is, is flight. I do not want more of those trauma. I'm scared of those trauma. So. If it's the fact that I'm driving into Calgary at an excessive uh, rate of speed, and yes, I did get tickets. Uh, having a badge did not save me. So I realized a lot of things that are, are turning to be very different. I realized that my wife as well kind of hate me because, uh, and, and I don't hold that against her, I've been a stranger for so many years. She, We did not know what was going on. She just thought I couldn't care less about her. Um, so obviously there's work towards the couple that has been done. My son, many children of people who has post-traumatic stress will develop anxiety disorder because they never know when that ticking bomb will blow out. Um, and blow out, I don't hit my kid. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say that I hit my kid, but I get angry without a quarter of a second, split second. I get mad and, and I, I cannot control myself. Thankfully, we develop different skills. So if I know I'm going to get triggered, at home, I say the word pineapple. It sounds so silly, but I know I need to leave. And if my wife feels me that I'm going to blow out, she tells me pineapple. So I know I'm going to get out, get out, um, because Hulk's going to come up, uh, and I don't turn green. Um, but uh, so, so, yeah, so those things happen. And obviously, the couple therapy kicks in as well. Um, I have, as of now, uh, and we're, what, 2021, July, I have uh, per week two treatment with a trauma a trauma treatment, which is sitting with my psychologist and going through uh, EMDR, which is a green light uh, that flashed in my face, and we're visiting all my trauma one by one um, and, and trying to store them properly into my brain. And then I have an occupational therapist, and that's someone who's going to help me to we start doing my, my grocery because I can tell you that I probably went to grocery store three times, four times in the past two years uh, because there's too many people. There's too many unknown. I feel like I'm going to get attacked. Uh, I also gained weight because I can tell you that last time I went to the gym, I tried to cool down on the treadmill walking. My heartbeat was at 183 walking because in my mind, I'm going to get chucked. I'm going to get attacked. Uh, and it's not something I can control. It's kind of killing me as well because now I, I don't have that that uh, that relief, right? So I buy that stuff at home to try to work out home, but I don't have any motivation either, and that's part of the depression. So it was all about learning about this, and as well as I like to read, so I, I bought books trying to figure out what the hell is going on with me. Uh, but I cannot really find a book that is from uh, from someone who suffered. I can find a lot of specialists who says, this is what's going on. This is how your brain works. And this is a very big puzzle. When truthfully in the sickness, there's nothing rational to it. Nothing. 
I mean, I, I will give you the, the easy example. I always, I always been good with small details, but the first three months that I, I got off, uh, there's no blinds that were open in my house because I was afraid that people could see inside my house. I started to buy weapons, uh, firearms. I, I didn't buy any ammunition because I knew it was kind of crazy what was going on. But, you know, I went from one, two, three, four, twelve, eighteen firearms. And when I, I was like, I found that I had 18 firearms and my wife did not know all about them because I knew it was kind of wrong. Um, so I started to sell them, right? When I started to be able to, to, to not need those, um, after three months, my wife said, our son needs some lights coming in our house. So we need to open the, the blind in the living room, in the kitchen and so on. So I started to just lock myself in my office. Um, so that my office became a safe place. I would lock the door. I would stay. So, <clears throat> so those are kind of the, the crazy thing that was going. And, and I couldn't find a book from someone who said, this is I, I suffer. So I started to share uh, small poems that I would write. And people would say, this is exactly how I feel. I couldn't put that in words, right? So I started to share those little poems and so on. And, and I, I was journaling about knowing, okay, this is like journaling started as since I have no memory and I truly don't, if you ask me what I ate for breakfast, I cannot tell you. Uh, if it's not important, my brain doesn't recollect. Um, so I have a calendar. I have actually six calendar in a house uh, because my wife makes me write everything that I have to do. And I mean, she's a saint because I mean, I, I don't know where she find the patients, but uh, it's, it's all around the house. So I keep track of those things. Um, and with this come, come uh, a form of shame, a form of guilt as well. I mean, I, I was in special force. I think I was exceeding uh, in life when now I'm finding myself that it's hard to leave home. Uh, it's hard to feed myself. I cannot do my grocery. Uh, if it was not for my wife, I think I would have to ask to have my food deliver and sometime made. With the military training, cleaning is a big thing, right? Like everything has to be spotless. Well, I have three dogs in my house. My floor started to have like a lot of dog hair because I have no energy to just press the button of the vacuum, right? So I'm not, I'm not full, f I, I, I'm not helping the situation either, but I don't know how to fix it. So there's a lot of dark time. There's a lot of, of bad time. And, and in my journaling as well is, is I, one day, one of my friends who looked into it and she's like, you need to meet my editor. That friend had published two, two books on her own. And, uh, and I met the editor who's from Calgary, who now lives in, uh, in Mexico, lucky her. Um, and she said, yes, we should make a book out of it. So started to write, um, kind of my journey where right? I'm coming from, uh, what happened. And I didn't want to have the book who, who is about, I'm not a hero. I'm nothing close to a hero. Uh, I wanted to have people who understand what's going on in my mind. Um, uh, but I wanted also people who suffer know that it's not weak. It's not what everyone thinks that mental health is. Uh, I don't find it normal that when, when you go overseas, if, if you get blown up, right. And you're missing a limb, the person come back and society sees that person as a hero, right. Versus someone who comes back with the mental health. It is an in invisible injury. Most of us are St. Thomas people, right? St. Thomas is the person who put his finger into the hand of Jesus. So based out of this, I wanted to educate people. I wanted to understand as well. And, and as I remember the last person that I was on call is a veteran and probably had mental health to commit suicide. Um, so I wanted to save at least one life. Um, so I started to talk loud, uh, louder about it and as much as I could. Right. So like today we're doing a podcast. I'm in my basement, right? You would tell me to go to Calgary to record in your house. I would have said, no, it's not happening because I cannot do it. This is the safe spot where I'm able to actually talk. Right. Um, so the book came out. Uh, I, I try to share it as much as I could. Um, with the, the book as well came up that I did one day hire one of my friends who's a veteran who suffered a fair amount to make some uh, letter patches uh, with wired differently. Because I believe that to do that kind of job, you need to be wired differently, right? The fight, fight or flight is part of that. You have to be rewired, uh, but also as well, the mental health aspect is a wired differently because the brain is chemical, right? Um, so, it's all part of it. So I, I did 48 hats and they were gone to 24 hours. 
Uh, I was like, oh man, uh, if I can raise money then and give it to organization who needs it to help uh, people with mental health, why not? So 48 hats, another 48 hats, and it took again 24 hours. So I started to grow this and, and create new things and little t-shirts. And, and then I realized that on top of raising money, I was helping veterans who feel like they have no place in society to create, right? And, and I think achieving something uh, is, is very healthy for our minds. So as of today, I have different uh, design that, that veterans actually created. Uh, when it's part of the sewing, one of the spouse of a member who's suffering is doing a sew, sewing, doing doing like the t-shirts are done in my basement. I mean, so this is how things kept going. And that kind of kept me alive because since I, I'm not working now, and well, I'm working therapy-wise, but I'm not working in a daily job, I, I feel I needed to accomplish as well something. As most of people have to do, and that's why we work, right? This is why we go to school and so on. It's for the accomplishment that is rewarding. So, um, so that that's that's where kind of wired differently grew. Uh, that's where the book got me. And I mean, the book has explained just you know up to probably last March, right? March twenty twenty. Um, no, it's not true. March twenty twenty one. Where it brought me. It doesn't finish saying that I'm, I'm healed and so on, right? Because it's something I'm going to have to fight a bit a bit for the rest of my life. Uh, but it kind of brought me to that. Uh, and, and and I mean, uh, we're, we're again, we're July 2021. I mean, a month ago, I was receiving a letter saying that I will not wear a uniform anymore. And it's done. So that's another shock, right? Because there's those type of personality who are there to help. And that, I think that's that's what I'm here for. Uh, so if I cannot help as a uniform, what am I? And, and that's the other thing that came with it, right? I was a member of the Kenyan forces for 11 years. So all I knew, my personality, my self-identity was I'm part of the military. So it's not a, a, a one-person show. It's a group, right? So when I got out of the military, that, that, that was a big issue as well. Like, who the hell is John? I don't. I've been working nonstop and, and I did not do like, you know, hobbies. I don't know what my hobbies is and I still don't know what my hobbies is. Uh, so the writing is kind of a hobby, I guess, right? It's a therapy as well. But so rediscovering who I am and what I would like to accomplish now that I cannot do what I've known is a challenge and is a fear that a lot of people who wear uniform web PTSD are facing. I was talking to a dispatcher a week ago who's like, that's all I've done for. 18 years of, uh, of service. What am I doing tomorrow if I cannot be that? I don't know anything else. And truthfully, we do something else. We know something else and the something else is helping each other. It is helping the community, but we just don't know how to transfer it anymore. So there's a, a big learning curve at that point, uh, as well as learning about insurance, all those things works. Because when you're saying that your job kind of broke you, and I guess, it's part of the job, but it's part of myself, right? Because I kind of ignore and avoid for so long the pain. Um, there's, there's a lot of factors. So I'm at the point where I'm doing those little things. At the moment, I'm trying to become, all, once again, the, the father I should be and the, the husband I should be. And then whatever the, the, this, the, the human in that society who has to bring something to the table as well. Um, so it, it, is a, it is a fight. It is a... There's good days and there's awful days. There's days that I don't sleep. And, uh, and I mean, I, I think I'm in more in touch with my feelings than I used to be. But, but it, it, I guess it's part of the new me at that point. And not necessarily in a positive way, but this is the way that I asked it, right? So that's, that's shortly, I guess, short, short, short. This is what, my, my little story, I guess. In, in the future, what I'm hoping is, is actually just trying to help more people in the same way by just sharing my story or, or checking in on someone. And, and I'm not alone. I fully aware. Like I, like I told you earlier, we're 600,000 veteran in Canada. How many first responder who are not first responder? Probably a lot. Right. So I'm convinced that there's a lot of us who suffer at home and you know what, I'm, I'm not stopping myself to just those uniforms because I know no spouses can suffer. I know, I know, Random people will suffer from it, right? Trauma is trauma. Uh, and, and again, it's not a piss contest, right? The pain is the same. It hurts. It hurts badly. Um, so yeah, so this is why I'm with you today because I want to spread that words. And when I 
when I realized that I was invited, I was very grateful for it. Wow, that is an incredible story. And I think you are doing amazing things with your new, I guess, business, you could call it, um, Wired Differently. That is amazing, amazing. I don't even know where to start now. There's like so many questions, so many things running through my mind. Um, I'm curious how you're handling um, kind of that adaptation to what people would call normal life or society again. Like, do you still struggle to adapt to that life or you've been kind of out of the military for long enough that you're used to it now? So I will always, I, I believe I will always, always be a soldier, right? Yeah. Uh, the the Kenny M. shows up, I'll, I'll stand up. I'm proud of my country, right? There's stuff like this. Um, I, I, I try to grow my hair. Those things don't happen. The beard happens because I'm just lazy. But um, those little really like um, things are, are very present. Um, showing up overly early because in the military, if you're not 15 minutes in advance, you're late. Uh, things are due for yesterday. So I'm trying my best to accomplish those things. So a lot of feature from the military remains with me. And, and the police as well. I can tell you that... Um, if I'm driving around and I see something wrong, I see it, right? It's, I'm not blind. But as well as, like, I'll give you a funny example. When I was a kid, all those minivans, I always thought it was either family people or soccer mom or, you know what I mean? Like, it, 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 there's that signification. With the police, I realized quite fast that uh, a minivan is not necessarily a family. It's most likely a bad people, right? So the stigma, I mean, not stigma, but the, the bias are starting to kick in, right? And if I see someone riding a BMX who's probably 45 years old, he's not riding a BMX for fun in Calgary. He's probably a, you know, a drug dealer, right? Um, so those those things are not leaving. And I and I ask other uh, other police officer who left the, the trade, they still see it as well, right? Those things are not leaving me. So um, adapting to that society, yes and no. Uh, you would give me the chance to live in Calgary or living on an island or in the middle of the forest. Option number two will be taken for sure. I have no desire uh, to be with the society. And, and there's various things, right? Because the things that I've seen, um, people have no clue, right? And people don't necessarily want to hear about it because, wait a minute, it's going to break everything that they've known, right? Um, if, like, if, if we believe that terrorists, there's none in Canada and they're all overseas, this is big BS, Right, that we have we have sleeping cells in Canada. We have we have ISIS here. We have like those those extremists. If if Els Angels can be here, well, I don't know. Right, the the terrorists can also be here sleeping and next door. So will I fully go back? I guess naive. Never, never. I can. Do I wish I could? Yes. Did I say often to my wife? Let's let's erase my memory for the past ten years. 15 years it came to my mind often so i believe that there's a part that will remain uh with me do i want as a human to go back to work and, and like i said bring to the society yes yes i do do i know that it's gonna be possible i don't right i have the desire strong desire i can function like i said into my house because i'm i'm, I'm, I'm safe uh but uh, and, and do i wish that i will be able to one day go to costco without being very upset or calling out people because that's my other problem. If I find that someone do something stupid, I just say it out loud. So, which doesn't bring me friends. Uh, but uh, but it's just part of it. Like Costco is just a crazy place, I guess. Um, so the answer to your question, as best as I can, is I hope I will. Mm -hmm. Am I now? No, I'm not. Uh, and even just um, just going into public is hard. Um, it's it's draining as if I did run a marathon uh, to the point that I'm exhausted. I cannot function. My brain is off. And don't ask me what I'm gonna what I would like to do. I don't want to do anything. Right. So there's a lot of again like um, side the side effect of the sickness is still very present. Psychologist says that whenever I'm gonna be done out of trauma, it's gonna be easier and so on. Uh, but we I have to mention that those memories are still intrusive. They're still present, right? So um, if I'm driving, let's say, to Calgary and I'm, I had something that happens in Tuscany, the Northwest, I see exactly what happened. And it, it's, it's extremely fresh. The smell is fresh. So I could be driving my car and if it's the smell of blood, I smell it again. If it, the place is cold, 
I'm cold again. This is how fun the brain can be. It brings you back to a memory you did not digest because it was so traumatic, right? Um, so right now, did I adapt? No. Am I better? Yes. But I, I, I will never call myself a civilian. I can't. It's, it's not part of, of, of where I'm at. And, and I mean, like I said, we, we talked before, before this podcast, right? Where I was telling you, like, there's things that uh, change you, right? Like if, if I've seen uh, 150 dead person, well, one more person is, is one more person. Does it sucks? Yes. But am I affected? No, it's just one more person. And, and, and it's, it's horrible. It's horrible because it, it's horrible that one person is dead, right? Um, and I should react differently, but I don't because I've seen those people before. I, like you, you become very acquainted to death, right? Uh, my, my godmother died a week ago. I had no feeling, none. And it's not that I don't have feelings. I just don't care. Uh, well, she's dead. Okay. I can't do anything more now, right? Um, so I will have to have more adjustment. I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't think I'm a civilian or, uh, or bringing as much as I should. That's for sure as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for tuning in today, you guys. I hope you loved this episode. As I said at the beginning, this is the first episode of a three-part series. Tune in again next week as I finally get to ask John some more questions and dig further into his story. We have so much to talk about, and I know that you guys are going to love it just as much as I did. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Feel free to reach out at any time. You can contact me on Instagram and Facebook at StompTheStigmaYYC, and you can email me at StompTheStigmaYYC at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. And if you or someone you know would like to come on, I would love to have you. Share your story, speak your truth, and together we can stomp the stigma.